Go to MyEverydayDope.com to get you some merchandise and keep up with the dopeness. Everyday dope. The ones who enhance the flow. You know them Bruce Lee roars and possess the glow. Yo, you're the last dragon, so you're good to go. You're giving back to the world or why you're crushing your gold. See, you ain't got to see it. You can just be it. You're the streets hope. Yeah, God told me you're dope. And you're here just to give us some pearls. We appreciate that so we can share with the world. See, you ain't got to see it. You can just be it. You're the streets hope. Yeah, God told me you're dope. Dope to dope to dope dope. You're dope. Dope to dope to Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to Everyday Dope, the podcast about dope people who do dope things. And when do they do these dope things? Well, quite frankly, they do them every day. I'm your host, Mr. Sheffield. Today's guest is going to be Letitia Bola. She's a licensed clinical social worker. She helps social workers progress their careers, and she's the magnificent owner of LMB Wellness. How are you doing this evening, Tisha? I am doing well. How are you, Mr. Sheffield? Oh, fantastic. Like I told you, it's hot in my house. I guess the weather's changing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling it. Um, but, you know, one night at a time. I'm not turning the air on just yet. I just can't do it. You know, I can't, I can't pay power bills right now. And turn a fan. <laughs> I do have a fan, so I'll do that. I'll turn on the fan. <laughs> how's the how's the weather in Houston? Today the weather in Houston was a sunny seventy-four degrees. Seven I'm so jealous. Seventy-four degrees? Yes, I love it. Mm. What you think about the Baylor Bears? Look, looks like they're about to make another run. Yeah, second Baylor. Go Baylor. <laughs> Go Baylor. Um, before we get started, I want to tell the people how you saved my life this one time. We were in Brooklyn, New York. I don't know where it came from, but there was a splinter in my foot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you took the time and you had the patience to make sure that I didn't die because, you know, if men just have a hangnail, we'll act like the world is ending. <laughs> Yes, y'all do. While y'all out here giving birth to the world and do it. Right. <laughs> right. Listen, I understand. Creating I, whole human. Yes. I understand that I'm the weaker vessel. That's that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. No more spinners in the field. Yeah, but thank you. Thank you, Tisha, for being such a wonderful friend. Anytime. <laughs> All right, Tisha, we're going to start you off with the question we ask everybody else who comes to Everyday Dope. What's your definition of dope? So, I have been thinking long and hard about that question, honestly, because I had a conversation with my dad um, after he saw me wearing a God is Dope t-shirt, and he said to me, do you wear that to church? And I said to him, well, why wouldn't I? God is dope. He said, no, dope is drugs. (laughs) And I said, yes, back in your day, dope meant drugs, and it still does. Um, but I explained to him my definition of dope was living intentionally and unapologetically your life the way you want to. Mm. Living intentionally. Mm-hmm. What was the next thing? Unapologetically. Unapologetically. Your life. Mm-hmm. Your, li- your life. Heavy on the your. Mm-hmm. Heavy on the your. The way you want to. Mm. So, so what's the way that you want to live? I'm going to get to the other things later, but what's the way that you want to live? 
I want to live my life um, not thinking and caring about others, what others think I should be doing or I should be wearing or what I should be saying and just being me um, effortlessly and without, I don't want to say without a care because we have cares, but just being me and not having to make excuses for living my life. Mm, so you want to do it all and not say you're sorry. Exactly. <laughs> so you feel like sometimes life presses you into this place of apology? Absolutely. As a black woman, as a single mom, as an entrepreneur. Yes. Every day. Mm. So speaking about your entrepreneurship, um, you own LMB wellness, right? How would you, how would you define the word wellness? So wellness to me is um, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, being at a place where you feel like you are good. And when I say good, like just you being not afraid to communicate your thoughts and feelings to others, you being able to set boundaries, um, all of those things in a good way, which is healthy for you and not feeling like you have to make excuses again for just being well in your state of being. Okay. So it, from what I heard, it says you, right? So you feel like mm -hmm. you're good. So it seems like there's a lot of internal work that has to be done, right? Yes. Right. And so in your line of work, you help people go inside and get themselves better. True? Yeah. Okay. True. And so we talk a lot about social work or just mental health here on Everyday Dope. Can you explain to the audience what's the social part of social work? So the social part of social work is comes from like working with individuals, families, couples, communities. Um, so it's society. It's the role that one individual has in a community in a society, which I think is what the part of social means in social work. Okay. And so I know there was a time back in the day, like you worked with HIV patients. Like what is Correct. it? Yeah. What is it like dealing with someone? And at the time, I mean, things have changed drastically. But at the time, HIV was almost considered a death sentence. Yes. You know, yes. So you know, I go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what was it like just working with the mentality and getting someone like that to be good with themselves? Um, that's a good question, Cedric. So when I was a case manager with the um, HIV and AIDS clinic, which was called the primary care clinic in Brooklyn, New York, um, it was a different type of population. I had never worked with um, patients who had been diagnosed with HIV and AIDS. And so I was very new and very green and, and new in social work. So they had a lot of, um, I guess, insecurities about being diagnosed with HIV. They weren't getting their basic needs met. Um, they just sometimes needed to be encouraged to adhere to their medications. Um, to help with housing, to help with getting food. So sometimes they wouldn't even think about their diagnosis because they were so busy trying to get their basic needs met. 
So working with that population was very eye-opening. Now that's dope. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what was like your, probably your, I don't want to use the word toughest, but like your most challenging patient? Like what was the most like, difficult thing that you had to deal with? I um, had a few teenagers who had HIV and I think getting them to, um, I don't want to say take it seriously, but just take their medical um, diagnosis seriously or their their medical, just their their well-being seriously. So they wouldn't come to their appointments. They wouldn't take their medication. So being non-compliant with the medication would make you resistant. Um, so it wouldn't leave them a lot of room for treatment at the time to um, make sure they were healthy. So just trying to get them to understand that coming to their appointments and taking their medication as needed was the hardest thing to do for me. So you think that had a little bit to do with maybe denial? Absolutely. Um, some some of them were not ready to accept their diagnosis. Some of them were still doing the things that um, that allowed them to, to have HIV be transmitted to them, so not practicing safe sex. Mm-hmm. Um, sharing needles, doing things like that. I did have one patient who was born with HIV, uh, so I don't think her um, her insecurity or her her um, just her not wanting to come was based on you know denial. I think it was just feeling like she didn't have a choice, so she was born into the world with HIV. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was hard. And and every time a client or a patient passed away. I think that was tough because I had never um, experienced that. Previously, I worked with the homeless population. So when they transitioned, it was because they got permanent housing, which is a good thing. But in the HIV population, when I worked with them, when I no longer saw them, it was because they passed away for the most part. Maybe they went to another clinic, but they passed away, which was just difficult for me to comprehend at the time because I was not able to see you know and and just grasp that concept mm. so how does with all this tragedy around like how does a social worker work on themselves or do you go outside of yourself to get some some solace of your own so i um i do um social workers should often be working on themselves um i think social workers should also have therapists i think social workers when they talk to clients they talk about self-care we also should be doing and practicing self-care daily and routinely. And that can be anywhere from binge watching TV. It could be lighting a candle, taking a bath. Um, and I think that being intentional about practicing self-care to make sure you are healthy enough to be healthy, to provide the care that you will be providing for your patients. Mm-hmm. Cause we're going to intentionally watch Bel Air and we're not <laughs> going to be apologetic about it. <laughs> Exactly. I love that show, by the way. I love it. I love Hillary and I love Ashley. Ain't it good? Yeah. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. Because we old and we just didn't expect much. We just. Right? That is very sad. I did not expect much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things that I like to do is merge education with what's actually happening in the work world. Um, so with your degree in psychology, how did you bridge the gap between what you learned in school 
and the actual practice of getting folks to be good with themselves? So it's about behaviors and, and just um, knowing what your triggers are, knowing what um, make you angry, make you sad, make you depressed, things like that. So I think knowing what behaviors will contribute to your triggers and maybe um, your symptoms that you have for your diagnosis. So helping you to, to realize that will help you to figure out how to not allow that to happen in the future and how to manage it better in the future. Mm. How do you feel about journaling? I tried it. Um, <laughs> wasn't too successful. Uh, my consistency was off, but how do you feel about that in, in the lens or through the lens of getting well mentally and spiritually? I often recommend journaling to my clients because I think sometimes we're not able to verbally express um, what we would like to or be, or be able to express the feelings and the thoughts that we have to the people that we want to express them. So sometimes journaling is a way to be able to get those thoughts and feelings out on paper without maybe hurting others' feelings because we don't know how to express them diplomatically in a way that the other person may receive it well. So I am an advocate for journaling. <laughs> advocate for journaling. I guess I'll pick that back up. All right, so Tisha, <laughs> so Tisha, we know you are an expert with the tweezers. Um, yeah, we also know that you know how to, you know, help people get well within themselves through a psychological lens. But you're also helping other clinical psycho, uh, sorry, social workers get into the right space where they need to be. So tell tell me how you're helping other professionals be better. So as a licensed clinical social worker, I also have my supervision certification and I help master's level social workers complete the hours that they need to be able to sit for their licensed clinical social work exam. So I am able to help to shape and to allow them to process the things that they go through in their field settings. Um, and, and just maybe give them um, a point of view that they're not able to get from their supervisors or from their colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, so just shaping and helping them to create and become the social worker that they want to become without bias. Mm, what kind of bias? Um, sometimes, you know, we have our own personal biases that get in the way. That's true. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are professional biases, like we don't agree with the professional standards sometimes that of the agencies that we work for. Hmm. How do you take all this knowledge? Because I want to talk about something real. <laughs> like, how do you take all this knowledge about the brain and behaviors and bring it into your world of parenting with Joy to Be? Oh, let me tell you, parenting is the most sacrificial um, role that I've ever experienced. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about parenting challenges sometimes with clients, I have to say to myself, do I do these same things with Jordy B? <laughs> right. And if not, I need to start practicing what I preach because I am not used to, um, I, I was very selfish pre Jordy B. So I'm 
Well, always you by yourself. <laughs> right, right. I'm always trying to control her. And I'm like, she is a little broke best friend. I cannot control her. Mm. So I have to allow her to be who she will be and to make decisions. But I can also help to shape authority be to do the right thing and make better decisions and just try to be a good human being. Good so, human being. You think you're doing a good job yeah. so far? <laughs> I I think so. I think we've made it to four years old. So I think so far so good. I didn't kill her yet. <laughs> right. I didn't kill her. I didn't kill me. I didn't, you know, we're both alive. We're both healthy. Thank God. Mm-hmm. We're good. So good. just making sure that I'm doing the same things and that I'm practicing. I'm, I'm encouraging my clients to do with their parents and child is, is what I try to do for my, myself. Now, now that's dope. dope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep, yep, yep. are you able to do these things with your child intentionally and unapologetically, like you say? Or are you dealing sometimes you deal with the outside forces of parents and brothers yes. and uncles and uncle you know, how do, how do you deal with that? Yes, mostly grandparents because <laughs> you know, sometimes you look at them and you're like, these are not the same parents that <laughs> raised me because they are allowing things of their grandchild that they would have never allowed me to do when I was growing up. So yeah, sometimes I have conflict about just discipline and, um, you know, what to eat, what time to go to bed, things like that. And so I try to just make sure Jordy B is able to determine for herself, you know, what she wants to do, but also make sure it's in line with what I want to provide and parent and how, what kind of parent I want to be to her. So yes, I have a lot of external factors, i.e. grandparents who kind who kind of try to battle with me about how to raise my child. <laughs> when it's yours. When it's mine. <laughs> when when it's I birthed her. All right. Tisha, um, you are amazing. We already know this. You have Thank you. You have used your education and skill set to help people get well who have HIV, people who have other social issues. You help other social workers get better at their craft. And you're an advocate for journaling. <laughs> Which, which, which in my world, I call that stand-up comedy. But, <laughs> but I tell to other people. <laughs> and you're a wonderful yeah. mother to Jordy B. All that Thank stuff you. is wonderful and amazing. But now, yeah. it's time to figure out if you know what's going on in these streets. No, I don't. What's the dopest? Yeah. What's the dopest? Yeah. What's the dopest according to you? What's the dopest? Yeah. What's the dopest? Yeah. What's the dopest according to you? All right, Tisha Bola, we have reached a point in our show we call "What's the Dopest," and since you are a listener of the show, if you get it wrong, what happens? <laughs> I get clown. <laughs> you put you out the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so Tisha, here we go. What's the dopest? Brooklyn or Houston? Brooklyn. Hands down. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> no I'm, question. I'm pretty sure it's not 74 in Brooklyn right now. 
It's not, but Brooklyn is home and it's in my heart and I live and breathe in Brooklyn. <laughs> you live and breathe like what? Like, like, like what's the living and breathing? What it look like? Because you don't like, wait, you don't wait the, on Timberlands. You flip, flip flops all the time. First of all, I do wear flip flops all the time. Um, and I don't have any Timberlands. But when I went to college here in Waco, Texas, mm-hmm. please believe I would wear my Timberlands and my shorts with my wife, Peter. Because you had to let them know where you were from. Because they they coined, my nickname was New York. Well, I mean, that's not far off. <laughs> right. So, so um, they had to know. What's up, New York? What's up? Right. Right. You're, right. You're down there in Texas. Okay, so Brooklyn is, the, Brooklyn is the dopest. And you know what? I think I agree. Yes, Brooklyn is the dopest. So, Tisha, tell us what's next for you. You got all this stuff going on, especially like with with LMB. Like, you know, you you started this business. So, what's next for the business? So, what's next for you? What's going on? So, what's next next for the business? I eventually would like to transition to a group practice. Mm. Um, Right now, I am a solo practitioner. So I want to open up a group practice in the future and have other clinicians um, work alongside of me to provide care, you know, and 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 help people to go from mental illness to mental wellness. Mm, from mental illness to mental wellness. That's the journey. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's the journey. Okay. Well, tell the people where they can find you because it may be somebody who's listening that needs a, a therapist, a clinical psychologist. Where can the folks find you? Yes, the folks can find me on Instagram at LMB Wellness um, Services. Also, my website is www.lmbwellness.org because at LMB Wellness, I am out here helping to facilitate a positive shift in the lives of others through therapeutic counseling and support services. Is that like the business mission that you had to write down? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't do that with everyday dope. I was like, I'm just gonna start it, and uh, um, <laughs> that that should be your goal for the year. Cedric. Oh, my goal, uh, you know, yeah. I already know what it is to affirm people and tell them how dope they are. I like it. <laughs> you just, that was simple. You just so happen to be one of those people. You're, You're the, the streets, streets hope. Mm-hmm. All right, Tisha, clinical <laughs> psychologist. Folks, mm-hmm. go journal. Make sure you're living your life in a way that is intentional and unapologetic and live it the way you want to live it. Okay. Tisha, you're amazing. We love you. You are super, super dope. We appreciate you for coming by here and we're going to holler at you on the other side. Thank you for tuning in to everyday dope. We hope you were inspired to live in your dopeness and celebrate the dopeness around you. Don't forget to rate, review, and share with your crew. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at My Everyday Dope. I'm your host, Mr. Sheffield, and we will see you on the other side. Oh, other side. Yep, yep, yep. On the other side. Yay, yay. Oh, if you're in Atlanta, I'm going to be telling jokes to Georgia Tech, 630.
Thursday, March 10th. RSVP. It's easy. Uh, uh, easy.